0: You're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregations Weekly Podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at koldodi.org. Let's look, look at John chapter 7. Uh, and I want us to think about Sukkot. After these things, it says, or after these events, translates it here, Yeshua was walking about the, in the Galilee, the Galilee, and he did not want to walk in Judea because the Judean leaders wanted to kill him. And um, he had lots of issues here. Did I turn this on? He had lots of problems going on around him here. He did not want to walk in Judea because the Judean leaders wanted to kill him. Now, the Jewish feast, here it is, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, was near. Therefore, his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so your disciples also may see your, the works you are doing. Now, they're saying this cynically. they are um, they're, They don't... They, they're mocking him, really. No one who desires, who wants to be, no one who wants to be well knows, uh, does everything in secret. If you do these, if you're, if you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were trusting in him. They didn't even believe in him. Imagine that. So, when it says after these things, these events in verse 1, what's it talking about? Well, many of his disciples had left and quit walking with him. Back in verse 60 of chapter 6. See chapter 6? It says many had stopped walking with him because they were offended at his, what? His hard teaching in verse 60. They said his, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? chapter 6, verse 60. Offended, and so they knew, verse 61, but Yeshua knowing knew his disciples were murmuring, so he said to them, does this offend you? And so they were, so it says in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples left, quit walking with him, and he said, you don't want to leave also. He, said, he turns to, to his disciple to the twelve, and Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've trusted you and to know that you're the Holy One of God. So, um, <clears throat> he's facing a lot of stuff here going on. Yeshua says, I had said earlier in his ministry, he said, I came not to bring peace, but what? A sword, Matthew 10, 34. And the truth that he spoke would cause separation at times. Uh, Luke twelve fifty one. he said it. It would cause separation. For the word of God is alive, it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder or right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God spoken through, brought by the spirit of God will do that. It will judge the intentions and the hearts of of my my intentions and my hearts. The word of God will do that, brought by the spirit of God. And so it will cause a separation in me from the flesh and the spirit too. So this was just prior to Sukkot in chapter 7, verse 2, and many of his disciples had had left him. The religious leaders wanted to kill him, and now his own brothers cynically do everything to harass and intimidate and oust him. And so this happens in verses 3 through 5. So does Yeshua now deceive them because he says he's not going up to the feast, but then he goes up secretly in verses 6 through 10. He tells them, my time has not come when they said, go up to Jerusalem. And he says, no, my time has not come. Your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go on to the feast. I'm not going to this feast because my time hasn't yet fully come. And then he stayed in Galilee. But after verse 10, his brothers went to the feast. He also went. So I'm sure they would have really called him a liar after that because he went. But this is what he did. He went, op- not openly, but secretly, and because he, he knew they were trying to trip- trick him. And so he also allowed the confusion. His presence caused confusion. In verse 12, we see, in verse 12, they said, there's a lot of murmuring about him in verse 12 in the crowd. Some were saying, he's good, but others were saying, not so. He leads the people astray. And causing, his presence causing confusion, and even more so later, as he challenged the religious extremists with his own authority as coming from God, verses 28 and 29, he said, he who sent me is true, you don't know him, but because I'm from him and he sent me. And so, on this Sukkot, now, he loudly used the occasion to invite those who were thirsty for the truth to really come to know him and be filled with his presence. And that's the powerful version. There's two powerful verses in this chapter that relate to Sukkot. 33, which I'll mention maybe later, verse 33, where he says, I'm only here for a little while longer than I'm going. I love that picture as he's surrounded by the booths. You picture the booths everywhere. If you're in Israel, uh, how many have been in Israel during Sukkot? Uh, it's just their booths everywhere. Shana has been, yeah, I remember. It's just the booths everywhere, you know, on rooftops and they're joined to houses and, you know, rooftops. Because remember, roofs are not like this, but they're flat, right? So you can actually build a sukkah on your roof. And everywhere is sukkah. And he's surrounded by them. And he says, I'm just here just like these booths are for a little while longer. And then they're going to be torn down. It's going to be torn down. And then I'm going to to the Father. <clears throat> and... Then he says uh, also now here in verse 37, which would have been, we're not going to go into it, but the water-pouring ceremony in the, latter part of the last part of the feast, uh, verse 37 and 38, the Hoshana Rabbah, great Hoshana, says the last greatest day of the feast he, should, he cried out loudly, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah, and he said it spoke about the spirit those who trusting him would receive for the spirit hadn't been given. So the promise to those who are hungry, he uses this occasion to this whole holiday to point to himself and offer hope uh, to those that were hungry for him. Now listen to a, this is one of my favorite poems from Sukkot. A week within the sukkah green, we've sung thy boundless praise. Now end it is the autumn feasts, the golden harvest days. Again we lift up voice in prayer, O oh, send thy blessed rain, that when another harvest comes, we may rejoice again. Beautiful poem about Sukkot. And it really, in that little four stanza, four-line stanza, four poem, describes the whole, all the themes of, of um, Sukkot here. So, <clears throat> And I just want to tell, let's just get, prepare ourselves for this holiday a little bit today. Today, most Jews feel Yom Kippur is the most holy day on the Jewish calendar. For us, as we talked about it the other you know, Yom Kippur is the day when we're thinking about God, all Jews everywhere, more than any other day, and it's the today. But the holiday most familiar and anticipated To Jewish people, the holidays that we're looking forward to most as families are Hanukkah, Passover, and Hanukkah. Those two holidays, right? And if you're Jewish, you know that those are the holidays that the families are you get together and you're looking for Passover, and uh, and then also Hanukkah. But in the time of the first temple, Sukkot was the most important of holidays, mentioned far more than the others in the Bible, and often referred to as Ha-chag. Let's say ha-chag. Ha-chag. What does that mean? The holiday. It means the holiday. The celebration. The holiday. And um, <clears throat> also, Jewish historian Josephus describes Sukkot as the most holy and important feast. So the Feast of Tabernacles on Sukkot, or, or Sukkot rather, or Booths, Feast of Booths, is given to the Jewish people as a moad, or an appointed annual time to meet with God collectively. Uh, it's the last of the fall festivals following Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and combines historical, agricultural, and religious dimensions of worshiping God. All of that combined together. Now, growing up there, I, you know, I have some wonderful memories, <clears throat> foods, you know, some smells and some sights and songs, but, uh, and I, you know, and, and the building of booths, but I asked Jeff, and he, he grew up also Reform. You know, it was mostly celebrated in the in the synagogue, you know, or at the synagogue and at the temple. You know, that's where we more we weren't in Reform tradition. We weren't building booths at home. You know, I, I wish we, you know, I don't say I wish we were because it just wasn't the, the case with us. Even though we were in Jewish neighborhoods, and you know, we everyone around me was Jewish. It just wasn't. We weren't uh, religious as religious. But I still have beautiful memories of it, and the, the, hot, the colors, and the decorating the sukkah, and the songs. <clears throat> and, um, but, and instead of pumpkins and melons, it's dates and figs, right? Um, the seven varieties mentioned in Deuteronomy 8, verses 7 through 10. Now, can you name those seven uh, varieties? What are the seven varieties? Dates. Anyone name them? probably already have it up there. They're already up there. They're already up there. So you got an (laughs) I already put the (laughs) slide. Dates, figs, right? Grapes, pomegranates, olives, wheat, and barley. Those are the seven varieties. Uh, uh, Stuff you eat every morning for breakfast, right? We wish we could, don't you? You have to have to live in Israel almost really to get it fresh, eat it fresh and eat healthy. And from these come honey, wine, oil, and bread. Think about it. All these beautiful things. <clears throat> um this holiday is retrospective. Think about it this way. I I I've shared this before, but it looks backward. It's retrospective. It looks back. And then it's also prospective. It looks forward. And it, it's retrospective in that it's the harvest season have, having ended now and the crops are all gathered in. Now that's in Israel, that's the the case. And biblically that's the case. The harvest is typically ended at least the first, and, and the crops have gathered in the final harvest. We recall <clears throat> and we look back and we recall our tent living after the exodus out of Egypt. Now it's prospective, so we're remembering that, but then it's looking forward in that we're anticipating the final ingathering, the harvest of the nations spiritually to the Lord. And we're looking forward, uh, as Brandt mentioned a little bit. Took to that and to the annual trips to Jerusalem during the Messiah's reign when Yeshua returns. We're looking forward to that. So it's, it's an amazing holiday. Think about looking backwards and forwards. A week within the sukkah green, we've sung thy boundless praise. Now ended is the autumn feast, the golden harvest days. Again, we lift up voice in prayer. Oh, send thy blessed rain. Praying for the rain for the coming season. Rain so important, the blessing from God, that when another harvest comes, we may rejoice. Again, it's the season of rejoicing, Zman simchatenu, the season of rejoicing <clears throat> over the harvest. There's a I forget what James Taylor song it is I listened, listened to love James Taylor you know those old song and, and there's a song and he's talking about the September wind and it's getting freezing and I'm saying wow we are we are experiencing global warming <laughs> I mean it's not that cold in September he's talking about like it's only, already getting so freezing of course that's the Northeast you know the New England but I guess he's speaking about in the song but wow but it 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 was uh, you know it, it's it's it gets cold when the rainy season comes again in Israel. It really does. Uh, so I want you to think about this. There are two main commandments regarding Sukkot. And again, Brant touched upon them. Uh, two two main commandments, really. One is to rejoice, to take branches and rejoice. Take the branches. And again, as I said, I, there, there, we're told the branches. And yes, I know the rabbinic... Uh, you know all the emphasis on the four branches and their beautiful symbol symbolisms and all of these on those branches. But in Nehemiah 8, they were different ones, and the rabbis don't know how to reconcile all of that. So we're free to you know listen. We can't get all those branches. We sent for them, by the way. Uh, I think they were sent for, and, and they'll, they'll be. You'll they'll have they'll be a uh, the lulav and the etrog. Right, Mariana at the um, sukkah, the the collective sukkah here, but. uh, but you know what? If you can get some other types of branches, you know, do it. That's okay. That's fine. So you, we work with what we have as well. And as, as, you know, both are great. So take branches and rejoice is the first commandment. Samach. Let's say samach. Samach. Okay. And the second commandment is to make the booths. I think this is maybe the most important one, really. Make booths and dwell in them. Yashav. Let's say yashav. Yashav. To dwell in them both for the whole week, the whole week. So rejoice, samach, and it really means to, to express positive feelings. So let's, for a whole week, be totally positive. Don't be no negative. <laughs> Don't be negative. Uh, be totally positive, but rejoice, really. And that's yashav means to, to, to dwell, means to settle down, to dwell in peace. Samach, be grateful. Let's look at what we have. Be thankful and express our gratefulness to the Lord. Let's choose to be happy. We can choose. We can choose. Hodu l'adonai ki ki chazdo. Let's say it. Hodu l'adonai ki Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His grace is forever. His grace is forever. It's called uh, in psalm, psalm 136, 26 times. It's the Hallel Hagadol, the great Hallel, uh, that psalm. But every so many times, 26 times, your mercy, your grace is forever, Lord. Your, we give thanks to you for your good. The scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Again, I say, Sometimes rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. Did I misquote that? Gosh, I keep getting that wrong. Rejoice in the Lord. What is it? Always. So it is a choice. I can choose to be to to be grateful, to be thankful. Colossians, I think it's 3.15, says, be grateful. I can choose to be to rejoice. Doesn't mean I'm always it doesn't mean I'm always, as we know, emotionally happy, and doesn't mean I don't weep, and doesn't mean I don't have, you know. But it means that I can choose to 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 say, I'm thank, I'm rejoicing in you, God. I'm you're my strength. You're my you're my victory. You're you're the one, my hope. And, and um, and so, flip First Timothy 6, 8, 6 through eight says. Uh, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We didn't bring anything into this world. We can't expect to take anything out of it. We're not going to take anything out of it. So if we have food, we're, if we're alive, we have food and clothing, be satisfied. Be content. First Timothy, 1 first Peter 1.8 says, whom having not seen, I love this verse, whom having not seen, you love, though now you don't see him, yet believing Yet trusting or believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Oh, what a great verse, isn't that? Take that one home if nothing else today from this message. First, Peter 1 Peter 1:8 Whom having not seen, you what you love, who though now you don't see him, yet believing, yet trusting, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I'm going to rejoice in you even if I don't see what I'm hoping for. Yash, And then yashav. So that's samach and yashav. You know, God wants us to remember and to reflect, to take times. You're dwelling in the booth. Listen, I don't know if you're gonna live in a booth all week, you know, and camp out. It's gonna rain a lot, I <laughs> think, this first few weeks. By the way, Wednesday it's gonna really feel like fall. Did you hear the see the weather forecast? We're gonna it's gonna the cold front's gonna come in Wednesday, I think, evening maybe or sometime, and it's gonna really feel like fall. We're gonna feel it. That's gonna be exciting. So I think Wednesday night. And so God wants us to remember and to reflect, to, to reconnect, to renew our awareness of our fragility our fragility, and of our transitory state here. Of our transitory state here. Hebrews thirteen fourteen, a great verse. I love this one. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We seek the one to come. We don't have continuing city here, a lasting city here. We seek the one to come. So what are we focused on? Leviticus 23.42, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. Dwell, Yeshab. All who are native Israelites dwell in booths. I'm here, Yeshua said, a little while, John 7.33. A little longer, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. It's just a little while. What is your life? Ah, James 4.14 comes to mind, actually. For what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away what is your life? A little while. Nehemiah 8, verses 14 and 17, they found written in the Torah, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast, and they did it. The entire assembly, when they found it, they hadn't done it for a long time, at least not in the right way, and they found it written they, in the Word of God. They said, let's do it. So they all got together. They'd returned from the captivity. They made the booths. They made the sukkahs, and they dwelt in them. They lived in them. They they. Stayed in them. The word sukkah, and I finish with these thoughts the word sukkah means to view or to see. Let's say sukkah. It means to view or to see. We need to view from a different vantage point, we need to see through the eyes of the sukkah booth. To see the stars. When you're, when you're in the sukkah, think about it. If you get a chance this week, whether it's this sukkah or you have your own, look up at the stars. Look up if, there's, if the sky is clear. And, uh, and we need to see, like Abraham did in Genesis 15, remember? God said, so shall your descendants be. We need to disconnect and we need to connect. We need to disconnect from our cell phone and internet and social media and connect to our Creator, to disconnect from being online and on call and experience what Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, called a digital detox. He called it, you know, the once-a-week digital detox for Shabbat, in this case, for a whole week. (laughs) I don't know if we can do it, but do it whatever we can of it. Whatever God gives you the grace to do, whatever He puts in your heart to do of it. Psalm 27, verses 5 and 6. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his sukkah, conceal me in the shelter of his tent, and set me on high upon a rock. Then will my head be high above my enemies, round about me in his tabernacle. I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, sing praises to Adonai. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Through dwelling in the sukkah, we have a different view. We see the temporal in the light of the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, and chapter 5 says, Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For what can be seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. For we know... That this tent, our earthly home, is—if it's torn down, we have a building from God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And it says we in that chapter Second Corinthians five that we groan while we're in this tent. We groan, for we walk by faith, not by sight. For whether at home or absent we make our aim to be pleasing to him he concludes for we must all appear before the judgment seat the bema of the messiah we're going to be, appear before him anyway we have to judge uh, appear before him ultimately and be judged for what we've done in the body good or bad so and to be rewarded or lo- lose rewards that's a whole subject in itself so he says this body's going to be gone so let's we walk by faith by trust not by sight right now. And we're groaning in these bodies. This is a tent, just like the sukkah booth that we live in. Let's have a different view, a view through the eyes of Yeshua, of the sukkah booth. And let's have a view through the eyes of Yeshua, our high priest, who's offered himself once for all, as we mentioned on Yom Kippur, in Zechariah 14, 16, when as was mentioned earlier ultimately yeshua is going to return and it says and i close with this verse 14:16 of zechariah it says that it shall come to pass that everyone who is left from all the nations which came against jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king the lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles to keep Sukkot. You know what blows me away from that verse? The survivors, and I looked up the Hebrew words, the survivors, Sha'ar, it's the those that attacked, they came, they came against Jerusalem, and those that survived become worshipers. They're worshiping the Lord. Do you get it? God forgives them and he receives them. He's not he's not rejecting them any longer. He's not he doesn't say no, you'll never you're you're condemned for you're you're you know, don't ever come ever come. He says, you're worshiping now. They turn around. God receives them. Thank God we have a different view through Yeshua. Thank God. God is a God of redemption and of hope, we love you, Lord. We thank you for what's going to happen that day in the future. It's going to be amazing, and thank you for this holiday season. We are looking forward to this. May this Sukkot, Lord, this week of Sukkot coming up, may it be the best ever, Father. May it. May, we pray, Lord, that you would just have amazing experiences in, uh, with encounters, Lord, with you for each one of us here, Lord. Lord, when we make sacrifices, that we make, you know, to be here, to be, to be in our sukkah or in our own sukkah, Lord, to be with others to, and to be with you, that you will, and you will meet us, Lord, at, as we, we uh, make that effort to be with you. And we will have, that you will speak with us, that we will hear your voice and we will experience the joy of rejoicing and dwelling with you beshem yeshua amen yevarecha adonai veyishmorrecha ya era adonai panavelecha Vihunecha, yesa adonai panavlecha veyisamlecha shalom beshem yeshua ha mashiach shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom. God bless you.